We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson. Zach Pearson. And Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon. Providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. We are just under 10 days away from the 2021 NFL Draft to be hosted in Cleveland, Ohio. And on today's show, we're going to break down a little bit about the Bears' recent moves, um, bringing back a safety and signing a wide receiver, as well as be joined by Jordan Reed, um, who will join us to talk the NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears, and his thoughts as we get down here to next week's draft. Before we get into all that, though, let me welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. We are single digits today. Yeah. As we record this on Tuesday, we are single digit days away from the draft. Uh, it's Man, I don't know about you, but this offseason has felt very long and drug out, and I actually just now figured it out. The draft's actually a week later, which is probably why this thing feels a little bit more drug out than normal. Yeah, they tend to have that weird, like, um, every couple of years it's like either later or earlier because of how the calendar falls. And I think next year it'll be later again, and then probably the year after that it'll be early, and then it'll go back into, like, that weird cycle. But nonetheless, I mean, it's something for us to talk about. It's finally some, you know, major NFL news, and everything we're kind of hearing, you know, after those first two picks of quarterbacks, the third is likely going to be a quarterback. It just depends on which one it is. After that, it's going to get really interesting because you're sitting there with Atlanta at number four. Do they look at Matt Ryan's replacement? Do you know, do they go with Kyle Pitts, um, a player that's been, you know, pretty much called the best tight end prospect in 30 years? Um, or do they kind of maybe play it safe with an offensive tackle? And then after that, Cincinnati's sitting there at five, and they have their investment in Joe Burrow. Do you protect him with an offensive tackle? Do you give him his former college teammate? Or if Pitts is there, do you go that route? So there's going to be a lot to kind of uh, look at, especially in that first round. Plus, the Bears have a first-round pick uh, for the first time in a couple of years here, and that always makes it a little more intriguing as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, it's. It, it, I, I really think, and this is kind of an obvious statement, but, uh, you know, the draft starts at number three, right? It starts with what San Francisco does. And I don't know, man, like I, maybe I'm being cynical here, but I, I find it very, 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 very hard to believe that they would have traded up to number three, given up what they gave up, knowing who is going to be on the board at quarterback between obviously Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones, and they don't know who they're going to take. I just, I, I'm finding that very hard to believe. I Ultimately, I think what it is, is I think they know who they're going to take. Um, I think personally it's between Mac Jones and uh, uh, Justin Fields. I hope it's Mac Jones. I really do. Um, but, you know, obviously that's going to be the big indicator as to what goes on because, you know, from there, like you pointed out, I mean, Atlanta could take a quarterback. I mean, who knows? We don't, we don't know. Maybe they have their eye on one specific quarterback. And if that guy goes, then they're going to trade back or they're just going to take a guy like Pitts. And then obviously, you know, at five with Cincinnati, um, we pretty much know they're not taking a quarterback. And then, you know, you go to six and really the, the next pick there that could end up being a quarterback pick is seven with Detroit. 
Um, and then obviously, you know, you had eight with Carolina and they could take a quarterback. Although, I mean, the fact that, I mean, let's just be honest here. They, they just traded for, uh, for Sam Darnold and they guaranteed his fifth year option, which is about $19 million. I find it very hard to believe that they're going to take a quarterback, especially considering they still have Teddy Bridgewater on the roster. And then, you know, obviously number nine with Denver, where there's a lot of people right now kind of speculating whether or not they're even in the quarterback market. Now I tend to believe just off of what Ben Albright has said, that I don't think they're going to be. I think they're going to be more in the veteran quarterback market in terms of, you know, getting somebody who can be a quality backup behind uh, Drew Locke and, you know, maybe push him for a starting job. Teddy Bridgewater can make some sense. I mean, there's there's going to be a few different options out there. But I think ultimately what you have here is you have a few different X factors. Like I said, Atlanta, you know, after you get out of, you know, away from San Francisco, you got Atlanta. You've got Detroit, who could take a quarterback, but again, you know, follow the money. And that's kind of the same thing with Atlanta right now. Follow the money with some of these teams, right? Atlanta basically just kicked so much more money down the road with Matt Ryan, where they've guaranteed him not only this season, but pretty much next season. And then you look at the same thing that Detroit did with Jared Goff. I mean, again, I guess these guys could, if they see, let's say, Trey Lance or Mac Jones, they say, okay, these are one-plus-year starters, um, you know, we see these guys more as projects and developmental guys than, okay, cool. But, you know, at the same time, I, I would imagine that Atlanta is going to try to maximize as much of their offensive, uh, you know, window as they have. And then with Detroit, I think Detroit's in a full on rebuild right now with a brand new regime. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, you get past those teams and then all of a sudden you've got New England at 15, you've got Washington at 19, and then you've got the Bears at 20. And again, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this more. We'll talk about this more next week. We're going to talk about it until the draft happens. But I think the big key for the Bears, I, I, you know, this is my personal take. I think they're going to try to trade up for a quarterback. I absolutely think, you know, they've got, they probably got their eyes on, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. They got somebody, they got their eye on somebody that's probably going to fall. But the issue is, is talking any of these teams. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors flying around from Adam Schefter and so on and so forth about different teams. Atlanta has been shopping their pick. Uh, what is it? Miami has been shopping their pick at six. Uh, and then you got, you know, the same thing with uh, what is it? You know, Carolina has been shopping their pick at eight and then, you know, number 10 may be being shopped as well. So you got all these teams shopping their pick, which is great. But again, I mean, you're looking at Atlanta, you're looking at Miami. Miami was one of those teams that already traded, you know, traded back to 12 and then traded back up to six just because they, you know, they kind of want to get one of their guys and then you look at a team like Carolina and, you know, whatever else, or even Denver, I don't know if any of these teams are going to be willing to drop the 20. I think, honestly, that might be the bigger issue for the Bears. I think the Bears are going to be plenty aggressive enough if, the, if their quarterback's on the board. I think they're going to be plenty of aggressive. But even, you know, even when you look at a team like New England, New England's five spots lower than the Bears right now, or higher, I guess, in this situation. So, you know, you look at it, they're at 15 right now. So, that is already a more, um, you know, a more attractive trade down for a lot of teams that maybe want to trade down a little bit, get some capital, but also still want to be able to make a quality pick this year. So it's, man, it's going to be tough because, like I said, I do think that the Bears come hell or high water. I think the Bears are going to take a quarterback within the first three rounds of the draft, and I think you would probably agree with me there. But I think if they had it their way. One of their guys drops. I think they're going to try to trade up. I just don't know if there's going to be any team out there that's going to say, yeah, let's go ahead and drop back to 20, especially when you're talking top five, top six, even top 10. That, that's a lot to ask for a team, and the team's got to be really comfortable with what they're going to get at 20. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think the Bears are going to at least try to move up. Um, I, I don't think you're going to get that franchise quarterback kind of waiting and sitting there, um, you know, picking in the second or third round for a quarterback, just the hit rate there is just not very high in terms of all-time quarterbacks, um, you know, after the first round. I mean, the hit rate in the first round is not very high either. Um, essentially, I mean, you're just really holding a lottery ticket. That's all it is. I mean, if, if you can get one of these five quarterbacks, um, which I don't know if the Bears are going to be able to, I do think they're going to try. It's essentially just a lottery ticket because we don't know what's really going to happen um, with these prospects. But, I mean, I agree. I think the best chance for the Bears is to try and move up into that top 10. I mean, if the 49ers go Mac Jones and, um, you know, either Justin Fields or Trey Lance slips to, you know, maybe let's say eight or nine, could the Bears make a move up there? If the 49ers go, you know, let's say Justin Fields and then Trey Lance goes to Atlanta, um, Mac Jones might slip, you know, to 10, 11, 12. Could the Bears move up there? It's just the, the problem is who really wants to move back to number 20? Um, 
and wait, especially if you're a team like Atlanta where you have multiple needs and you're sitting in a good spot right now. Um, you know, a team like Cincinnati, I don't think is really going to trade back. Maybe there's another offensive tackle that kind of could intrigue them or another wide receiver if they move back to 20. I, I really don't know. But, yeah, I mean, the Bears are going to have to at least try to get up and try to get a quarterback. And I, I do think – Come, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning, there is going to be another quarterback in that Bears room um, after the draft. I just think it just makes too much sense right now for them not to, you know, take a shot on a quarterback. They have to. They can't go in with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. It's just not going to happen. Now, which quarterback will they take? That's going to be the big problem, um, or, or not big problem, the big question uh, going into this draft. And it's certainly going to be one of the biggest storylines, not only in Chicago, I mean, the entire NFL, because the Bears are a team. I mean, they, they need a quarterback. They've always needed a quarterback. They've just not been able to solve this quarterback problem over the years. And it's it's a national storyline as well, whether they trade up or whether they, you know, kind of wait for Kellen Mond, um, Davis Mills, or, or Kyle Trask. The one thing I, I just don't want them to do, I don't want them to reach for a quarterback. You know, I, I wouldn't be in favor of Davis Mills in the second round personally. Um, I sure as hell would not be in favor of drafting a first-round quarterback at number 20 unless it is one of those five guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I just – I don't want I, – I would not be in favor of that. But, you know, they're sitting in a very interesting spot. And like you said, man, I mean, there's already been rumors and reports that teams are, you know, fielding calls. But all we can do right now is just kind of sit back and wait and watch it un, unfold. Well, I can, I can almost guarantee right now, I mean, if they don't get one of those top five quarterbacks, I would be – shocked if they waited until the third round to take a quarterback and that's that and that's kind of the unfortunate part right is you know out of the three because I, I really think you know you got your tier let's just call it tier one because all your round one guys right and then you got your tier two guys which is basically and you know as we talked about before with Kellen Mond, Davis Mills and uh, Kyle Trask and Trask to me just the physical tools aren't there he's not athletic he doesn't have a great arm um to me there's not a whole lot to like I mean he was I mean his offense was filled with top end NFL talent you know at Florida and then you look at a guy like Davis Mills where he was a massive recruit out of high school and basically just never stayed healthy I mean he was basically a one-year starter so you really you know, and you look at him with it with, with with the tools, and you know he's the he's the tall white quarterback with a pretty solid arm. I would say slightly above average arm, but when you look at his athleticism, his athleticism's not great. And to me, he's a very stiff athlete. He's a very like if you watch him, he almost has like a Peyton Manning look to him. You know that 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 really. Uh, straight stiff back and just his his movements are very stiff uh, he's an upper body thrower which is a mechanical issue in its own um, you know and then you you look at a guy like Kellen Mond who had three years starting experience at Texas A&M and you got a guy with Mond who has all the tools he's he's athletic uh, he can run he, he's got the arm you know basically everything that you would want except the consistency aspect where you know, you, you look at somebody like that and you compare him because, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, when you're talking gold standard in terms of quarterbacks, uh, you know, taken after the first round, I mean, you're looking at guys like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. I mean, there, there's definitely a few on the list. Don't get me wrong. But I think with a guy like Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson was a few inches taller, he'd have been a first round pick. Um, you know, but I think the thing with a guy like Dak Prescott where you can look and you can objectively look at his scouting reports uh, coming out of the draft. And there were not many people who had him higher than a fifth round pick. And, and the, you know, there was the, even Jerry Jones had basically, he wanted somebody different, you know? So, and he, he came out and basically said that they, they'd wanted somebody different. And ultimately they ended up quote unquote settling with Prescott. And that ended up being a great thing for them because that other quarterback that they wanted didn't pan out. I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but uh, you know, and I think the big thing there with me, at least when I'm looking at those mid round or, you know, after the first round quarterbacks, that, that kind of that project state is you're kind of looking for, you know, what's the track record for improvement, right? Cause Dak Prescott and, you know, he, there was a very, very clear, um, incline with his overall development, both mentally and physically with his mechanics and everything else. Like it, there was a vast improvement those last two years at Mississippi state. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things when, when I look at a guy like Kellen Mond, there just wasn't a lot of improvement and there was, 
moments when it was like, whoa, this guy can be really damn good. And then there was other moments where it's like, you know, it just it just seems like things don't consistently click. So, but again, that that's kind of the problem is if you look at these these second tier quarterbacks with those three names right there, and I know some people want to throw Jamie Newman in there. I'm not ready to do that, frankly. But really, the after the first round, these quarterback, this quarterback class is bad. I mean, really, at least from a consensus standpoint of in terms of how people are viewing them the overall tools, the overall track record, everything else, like this is an objectively bad quarterback class after those first five picks. And we know all all five of those picks are not going to pan out in the first round. I mean, we know that hopefully if the Bears trade up and that's something that they finally get lucky on. I mean, I, I feel like it's it's well past overdue that they finally get lucky on a quarterback. But if you're looking at those those second-tier guys and beyond – that's kind of the issue is you're you're already risking obviously in every every draft class you're already going to risk um you know just from a value standpoint there's always going to be better talent on the board there's always going to be safer talent on the board when you're talking about taking a second or third tier quarterback in the second or third round but I think this year because of how many teams need quarterbacks on top of I mean just look at okay look at look at a team like Philadelphia look at a team like Denver look at a team even like New England where maybe they're comfortable enough and the same thing with Washington too where maybe they're comfortable enough with what they have as a starter but they still want something to develop behind them so even if they're not trading up for one of those top five quarterbacks they're going to be firmly in 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 the mix for one of these second tier guys and there's only three of them maybe four of them if you count Jamie Newman and that's so that's kind of the issue I think really what it's going to come down to is I think at least two of those three are going to go in the second round. And ultimately I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those guys. I don't think anybody is going to sneak into the first round by any means. And again, we're just kind of, you know, playing future predictor right here. I don't think anybody's going to sneak into the first round. Like some people are kind of, you know, edging onto, but I do think that there's a, there's a decent shot that if the bears were to stand pat with their second round pick at, what is that? 50, what is it? Yeah. 54, I think. 52. 52, sorry. Yeah, 50. Yeah. So if they stamp out at 52, one of those three quarterbacks may already be gone. So it's just one of those situations where I think realistically for Bears fans, I think we all know that they're going to take another quarterback. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. There's zero upside to going into a make-or-break season with your regime, or that's the assumption anyway, with your regime and having Andy Dalton and Nick Foles as the lone quarterbacks and maybe Tyler Bray if they were to re-sign Tyler Bray on your roster. There is zero upside of that unless things go, you know, fantastically well everybody's getting fired. Let's just be honest here. So, I mean, you've at least got to have something in the pipeline to where you can point back, even if it's like kind of what, uh, you know, what, what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz and say, okay, well, we're going to take Jalen Hurts in the second round. And obviously that kind of worked out for them. So, I, I mean, honestly, man, at this point, I think the Bears are kind of forced into a position where I think they're going to have to take one of those quarterbacks and ideally, you'd like to see that in the third round. Ideally, you'd like to see a trade back and, you know, get more picks or whatever it is. Because, I mean, the reality of it is, I mean, they've got a ton of needs. They've got a need at corner. They've got needs at receiver. Uh, they've got needs at offensive tackle. They've got needs at quarterback. Uh, you know, there's just needs all over this, all over the roster. And, you know, in a normal year when you don't need a quarterback, this is not really the year that you would waste a, a, you know, one of those premium top, you know, three round picks on a quarterback. But unfortunately, the Bears are in a position where they cannot afford to go into the season with what they have on the depth chart right now. And I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe you have a different opinion on this, but I, I, I can objectively say I'm. I don't think that the Bears do anything to fix, you know, help themselves or fix the situation by, you know, trading for a guy like Gardner Minshew, you know, get a, you know, trade one of those six rounds picks for Gardner Minshew instead of taking one of the quarterbacks in the second or third round. Yeah, I, I don't think that's an improvement. I don't think that pushes a needle at all. And I don't think there's many guys out there, you know, aside from Russell Wilson, that is even a realistic, op, uh, you know, option. And even then it's not, you know, real, really realistic right now. So, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It's just they're in a tough spot again. They they keep finding themselves in these tough spots, and it just keeps going back to you know missed evaluations of players and not being able to solve the quarterback position. But now it's a good time to uh, do our interview here with uh, Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. Covers everything draft. A really good follow on Twitter. Um, does some really good work for the Draft Network, including big boards. Um, he had some interesting things, you know, to say. About- 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bears, including, you know, why they are one of the toughest first round picks to project in his eyes, along with a couple other teams. So we'll get into that interview now. We'll be right back to wrap things up. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. He covers everything NFL draft for the site, does a really good job with big boards, uh, breakdown analysis, all that stuff. And uh, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're just under 10 days away from the NFL draft and a lot of question marks still out there. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this draft in general. I mean, how excited are you um, for a draft that looks like it's going to be two quarterbacks right away, probably three. But then after that, it gets kind of uh, a little interesting and fun. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, everybody likes to talk about the quarterbacks at the top, and rightfully so. It's a really strong quarterback class as far as the first tier. Uh, We're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who's presumably going to be the number one overall pick. After that, you have your toss-up between Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, uh, then Zach Wilson as well. So those are considered like your top five guys right now. After that, it gets a little bit sketchy. I think there's a bit of a precipitous drop-off after that. Uh, but the great thing for those guys is without there being like a clear-cut day two quarterback, I think there's going to be some guys that are going to be pushed up the board, like a Davis Mills from Stanford, and then even a Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, or even a Kyle Trask from Florida who had some really nice buzz early on in the season before he tapered off a little bit down the backstretch. So quarterbacks is always that one position that everybody is going to talk about. But once again, I think we have a really strong wide receiver group, similar to what we saw from last year's group. Uh, with C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and then also Henry Ruggs. We have a lot of talented guys at the top with Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, and then Jalen Waddle. So it's very reminiscent of last year's class, but I don't think it's as strong on day two. I think the difference between the two classes of what you see is that you have kind of your taller guys on the outside from last year's class that were predominantly outside guys like a T. Higgins or a Denzel Mims, LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, or some of those guys that you saw on day two. But this year's day two group, you have more of your slot types. And outside of De'Ami Brown from North Carolina, you have um, your Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan or Amara St. Brown or even Amari Rogers uh, from Clemson. So you have more of your slot body types on day two. Um, offensive tackle, which I'm sure is music to you guys' ears, is really strong with this group. So um, that that's another area that is really strong, similar once again to last year's group. Defensive side, I don't think this is a very good defensive draft, honestly. I think interior defensive line is a really bad group outside of Christian Barmore and then Levi Onwunzarinke from Washington. Those are really like your headliner guys. Edge rusher, we don't really have that consensus top guy like we have seen in years past. There's not that blue chip guy like a Chase Young or Bolster Brothers or even a Miles Garrett. We don't have that top of the line guy in this group. Linebacker is okay. I think there's some really solid guys at the top that we will see in the first round. Corners in a similar light as well. You have your top tier guys like a J.C. Horn or Caleb Farley uh, and even a Patrick Sertain the second as well. So safety group, once again, similar to linebacker. I think there's some guys at the top. There's no headliner um, that we have seen in years past. Well, you did an excellent job just really going through and, and covering the class there. And for you, everybody out there listening that isn't as familiar with Jordan, he has done a fantastic job covering the draft for years now. Uh, he used to do his own personal draft guide that was Incredible, because not only was it breaking down prospects and breaking down positional groups like he just did, but it was very, very in-depth, and that was something uh, that I used to love getting on a yearly basis from him. So 
you know, you, you, you nailed a lot of different positions that are going to be need for the Bears because, frankly, you can pretty much just take a, you know, a dart and throw it at the dartboard, and that's going to be a need for the Bears. But I kind of want to circle back a little bit to the quarterback position because, like you pointed out, obviously Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, I would assume Zach, you know, Zach Wilson will probably be the number two pick. But then after that, things get kind of interesting. So I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on – you know, the rest of that tier one and going into tier two, especially when looking at the Bears, I mean, the Bears are picking 20th overall. Um, pretty good chance that they're not going to be able to get a trade up and get up into the top 10 to be able to get one of these quarterbacks. How big of a gap do you see between Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, and even a guy like Kyle Trask in that tier two versus somebody like a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, or a Mac, uh, Mac Jones? It's significant for me. Um, I don't think it's as big of a gap from Mac Jones uh, as opposed to some of those other guys. I have Mac as my quarterback five right now. So I, I think he's probably in the lower portions of that first tier that's expected to go in the first round. But you, you, there's a lot of question marks with that second group. And um, like I said earlier, they're always going to get pushed up just because there's that lack of that that blue chip or that significant day two guy, I should say, standout day two guy, um, like we have seen uh, a, quite a few times in years past. But there's a lot of intrigue with Davis Mills uh, from Stanford. Really small sample size, has only participated in 14 career games with 11 career starts. When he came into Stanford, he had a torn ACL, uh, highly ranked recruit back in 2017. He was the number one ranked recruit, uh, quarterback recruit in the country ahead of Tua Tungabailoa. So there was a lot of intrigue with him coming out from, from a high school basis. Uh, last year, I thought he showed or he made significant strides really his first year and his only year as a starter there at Stanford. But there's, there's a lot of, uh, he's a bit rough around the edges. And what I mean by that is he's really good as far as attacking the middle of the field. But once you force him to really attack the exterior, uh, as far as outside the numbers and then outside the hashes, he can get himself in trouble. Isn't a super mobile guy either. I know he ran four, five, eight at his pro day, but I don't see that type of mobility consistently on his film. So he's another guy in a similar light of where you have to have some really good protection in front of him. And Kyle Trask is in a similar light as well of where he had a litany of weapons at his disposal. Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, and then Trayvon Grimes, who's probably going to be a strong day three wide receiver in the fourth or fifth round. And then once you saw all those guys opt out of the bowl game against Oklahoma, you really saw a lot of warts show up with Kyle Trask. And that's really a lot of the worries that you have with him on the next level from a mobility standpoint. Um, he's more of a lob thrower as opposed to somebody that really drives the football really struggles with testing those tight windows and driving the ball a lot. And then he's already not a mobile guy either. So similar to a Davis Mills, you're going to have to have a really good front in front of him. But I think the most intriguing guy to me out of all of them is Kellen Mond. Uh, started 44 career games out of out of the 47 that he participated in. So really large sample size that you have to go from there. And I thought when Jimbo Fisher came in his sophomore year, he really hit his stride. But the phrase that I like to use with Mond a lot is that he's consistently inconsistent. And you don't really know what type of player that you're going to get from a week-to-week -week basis. So if you watch him against Florida and then you watch him against Alabama as well, you see a player that really intrigues you as far as a top 50 type of selection. But then you turn on the film of him against LSU, I mean, he was just absolutely horrific in that game. He was just all over the place with his accuracy, very scattershot, and looked very hesitant throwing the ball from the pocket. Uh, he is more of a mobile guy, a long strider that you can incorporate in the quarterback run game. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, can make people miss in space. But if you give him some yards and if he has to escape the pocket or get himself out of harm's way, he definitely can do that. You know, the Bears have a lot of needs, you know, offensive tackle, wide receiver, defensive back, quarterback. And, uh, I, you know, I think the Bears are, are kind of screwed here at the quarterback position unless they go up and, and trade for one of the big guys. What do you see the Bears doing at 20, and what do you see them kind of doing um, with the quarterback position? Are they going to trade up, or should they kind of wait back and maybe hope someone falls or even take a chance on a second, second or third round guy? So the Bears are really kind of one of the hardest teams to project in the first round. I put up a tweet about this a couple of days ago where I had them included of where I could see them going corner, I could see them going quarterback, and I could see them going offensive tackle. I think it really comes down to those three positions. If they want to stand pat and take an offensive tackle or a cornerback, I think they definitely can do that. There's going to be some really good players that fall into their lap, in my opinion, whether it's uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, um, 
even uh, somebody later on the lines of, you know, Christian Derisau might take a tumble for whatever reason, and he's sitting there for them at 20. I think that would be a home run selection. But one player I think that really fits them a lot is Greg Newsom II, the cornerback from Northwestern. I think he would be a really, really good upgrade for them, especially considering that they lost Fuller along the edge. They lost him uh, just because of some contractual thing, things that happened with him. Caleb Farley is another player that definitely could be there for them if they want to take the risk associated with the bat. Of course, I don't have any access to the medicals or anything like that, so I don't know how severe the injury is, but if we're just talking about the talent and basing him off of that, he's definitely a top 10 to 12 player in this draft. Um, quarterback is going to be kind of hard just because I don't know who's going to be that fifth guy that slips to maybe like the ninth pick with the Broncos. I think that could be a target area of where if they're looking to trade up to get their quarterback. But I've always went back and forth with this about the Bears is that I don't kind of like I don't like using the word lame duck with Matt Nagy and then also Ryan Pace, just because I think they can save their jobs this year uh, if they win a certain number of games. But I don't know if there is if the organization is going to be willing to let them really mortgage the future to go up for a quarterback for guys that are presumably trying to save their job this year. So I don't know if they're going to allow them to expense that type of draft capital to go up to get their guy just because they had a chance with Trubisky already in that experiment obviously obviously didn't work out. So if somebody slides like Justin Fields to the ninth pick to the Broncos, um, I think they could get the itch to move up. That's if the Broncos don't take him if he does slide that far. But uh, Mac Jones may not even be out of the question. There's some buzz there that the Bears do have some interest in Mac Jones if he does end up slipping outside of the top 10 area. So maybe that's a player that they could trade up to get as well. So uh, as you guys can see, I'm all over the place. I don't really know what the Bears are going to do right now, but they're going to have a plethora of options of which direction they could go. Well, see, I like that little little nugget you slipped in there about Bears having some interest in Mac Jones at a certain yeah. point. This, this is, yeah. I mean, man, I, I love that. So kind of going back here a little bit, uh, you know, you, you kind of touched on at the very beginning of that, you talked about Greg Newsom the second. And, you know, the corner is one of those positions for the Bears right now where they created a hole. They just simply put, they already had enough holes on the roster. They created another hole. This is the situation that they're in now. But the concern that I have with this corner class, especially when you're talking, you know, top 20 where they're going to be picking is not so much the talent level. Cause I think there's, there's some, there's some good talent there. I mean, between, like you said, Caleb Farley, between, you know, uh, Newsom, between whoever else may end up being there. How concerned though, and I know you don't have access to medical records, but how concerned would you be as a drafting team, taking on somebody like a Farley with a back issue, taking on Newsom, who's had some nagging injury issues as well. I mean, is that a valid concern, especially that early in the draft with a lot of the, a lot of these corners that are going to be there for the Bears at number 20? Yeah, absolutely. You raise a great point, especially considering Farley and then Newsom, two players that have had some durability issues. Um, Greg has actually never finished the season all the way out without suffering some type of injury. So there's some caveats for both of those guys. Farley is probably the bigger risk for me just because you very rarely ever see back injuries improve over time. That's just an injury that just for whatever reason just lingers with players no matter what the sport is. You very rarely see back injuries improve or just go away over time and considering that he's playing a, a position that he's going to be very reliant upon that part of his body, that would be a huge worry for me. But once again, we don't know how significant it is. But there's a lot of boomer bust attached with Farley. We've only seen him for really one season with high-level production. And then the last time he was on the field was 2019. He dropped it out of the 2020 season and then missed out of the final two seasons, uh, final two games in 2019 just because he had to have the surgery, the first surgery on the back, and then he recently had another too. So there's a lot of risk there associated with him. And I had Newsom on a podcast about uh, – it was before his pro day, so about a month ago now, and that – he was just talking about a lot of his injuries came in practice. And the one that really happened um, that was significant was against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game of where he just had a growing injury of where, you know, he was kind of looking out for himself a little bit. He knew what he had next in his future. So he's never suffered any surgeries. He said he, he made that very clear to me that he's never had any surgeries. It's just kind of those little bumps and bruises along the way. And it's never been any type of significant injury. So that gives you a little bit better feeling about it overall, especially when there's no surgery uh, associated with it. 
I want to talk wide receiver a little bit here. Um, if the Bears do go offensive tackle, defensive back, or you know quarterback in the first round, I think they need an. I think they have a needed wide receiver behind Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. I don't think Anthony Miller will be on the roster next season. So, should the Bears kind of wait for day two, day three, or, or actually second or third round? I'm sorry, uh, wide receivers, or you know if Rashad Bateman's there at 20, should they go that route? Who are some guys maybe? Um, in their range if they do pass on uh, on a wide receiver at number 20. Yeah, and I, I really have this theory about wide receivers and that you really should take them on day two just because I think that's kind of like the gold mine area for me. And it's not just last season. You can go back to years past, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, the list goes on and on of these wide receivers that you just can find on day two and for them to come in and have significant production as well. And, you know, Anthony Miller, he's been okay. For them, that's another player that they found on day two, of course. Um, but he's he's been kind of on the trading block. Um, I don't think he's even – he may not even be on the roster during the opening stages of the season based on, you know, some of the things that have come out as far as him being in some trade rooms and things of that nature. So they're going to be looking for a wide receiver on day two, of course. One player that I think fits them really well is Deami Brown from North Carolina. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. That down-the-field dynamic that he brings to the table, uh, I think he can, he can dominate in the short and intermediate areas as well. That's really the role that he played at North Carolina. Averaged 20 yards per catch last year, so you know he can give you some significant production down the field, but I think with the role that he was asked to play, he didn't really get to show off some of the things that he was able to do in the short to intermediate areas, but he was one of the better um, receivers as far as in the deep portions, er, deep proportion areas of the field. So I think he can provide that type of area of consistency. Um, he does have some drop issues. I think he had five last year. So that's something that he's going to have to clean up, but very good route runner, uh, very experienced in a lot of different areas as well. But most of his production came in the deeper portions of the field. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan is another player that really came on strong this past year. He went back and forth from wide receiver to cornerback. Uh, he played cornerback actually in 2019. And then last year, he played predominantly receiver, another player that averaged over 20 yards per catch. Very, very explosive. Will be a 24-year-old rookie. So that may be something that knocks him down a little bit, maybe a round or so. So it, I think he's going to be there for the taking in the third round if they want to add a receiver of that type. Well, and, and Zach would know uh, Zach would know Brown pretty pretty decently well because yeah. you know he's a big big North Carolina fan, which is unfortunate for both of us when it came to the Trubisky pick. But you know, hopefully hopefully we can get him some redemption here. So my last question, and I'm sure Zach's probably got one more for you too. But my last question is, you know, kind of looking into day two here. You know, rounds two and three. What is that one or two positions where let's just say you know the Bears go quarterback or they go you know one position and they got so many needs right now going into day two rounds two and three what are two positions that are deep enough in those in those rounds two and three to be able to still get good value and find basically week one players because that's what the Bears need right now the Bears need some week one players and they're going to need basically all the help they can get and like I said on day two on those in, in second and third round they're going to have to find some sort of contributor. So what are two or three, whatever positions that you have kind of identified through the, the draft process as strong positions that the Bears should be able to find some value on day two? I think offensive tackle definitely is the one that they should have circled. And if they don't want to go with one at 20, I think there could be one for them uh, there at 52. I think that's where the second round pick is, is said to be right now. So they're, they're in a really good range of where they can get somebody like a, a Brady Christensen from BYU a player that I think that I think fits their scheme really well. Samuel Cosme is another from Texas that could be there. And then Dylan Radance from North Dakota State could be another player that they have on their radar too, whether it's at offensive tackle or even guard, uh, if they want to get somebody along the interior that has that inside-out flexibility. But one thing I will say that kind of has been a little bit weird about the Bears in years past, well, I shouldn't say weird, but a tendency that they do have is that they don't really address offensive tackle early. And I think like the last time that they've taken one on day one has been like Gabe Karimi in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. So they really haven't been urgent about as far as addressing the offensive tackle. And I know they had some guys that they depended upon in years past, Charles Lennon and some others, Bobby Massey. Um, well, I don't even think he's on the roster anymore, but um, they've had some players that they have been dependent upon in years past of where they haven't been very urgent as far as addressing it. So I think they're going to break their tendency 
as far as addressing it a little bit earlier than what they have in years past, as far as they waited to like the sixth and the seventh round uh, to address it in years past outside of 2011. That was the first, the last time they've taken one on day one, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's going to be a bit of a tendency that they break. Yeah. And my final question, um, you know, Aaron mentioned I'm a North Carolina guy. So looking ahead at next year's draft, I, 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 I it's never too early to look ahead for me. Look at the quarterbacks, and I think the Bears are going to be in the market for a quarterback again. Who of the three of them, you know, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, um, Slovis out of Uf- USC, who is probably your favorite if you've watched any of them so far and maybe a guy we should keep an eye on? Yeah, so I'm five games in to all of those guys. I actually started about two weeks ago. Oh, no, um, no. I, fin- I finished up with Howell last week. like him a lot. Um, I think the offense does hold him back a little bit as far as what he's asked to do. Uh, Phil Longo, we know everybody, uh, the reputation that he has out there as far as holding mm-hmm. players back. Um, when he was at Ole Miss, when he had DK, A.J. Brown, um, um, Lodge was the kid's last name, um, and that plethora and litany of weapons. Dawson Knox was another player that he had too. So I think once he gets outside of that offense a little bit, he's going to put up crazy numbers next year. I mean, he's going to be a top five selection as long as he takes care of himself and he does what he needs to do. I like him a lot. Uh, Rattler is probably the most talented out of the bunch. Um, but of course you're going to have the size question marks with him. Uh, he has some off the field things that's going on with him as well, as far as what happened in high school. And then early on in the year, he didn't play well at all. He got benched actually. And then after that point, he really came back on strong to finish the year. So I think those are definitely the top two guys at the top going into the year. But of course, there's always that one or two guys that come out of nowhere that just absolutely explode as far as take that next step in their development and you know there's some players that could be prime candidates for that Malik Willis from Liberty is a player that I'm about three or four games in that has a lot of entry with him he has some things that he needs to clean up in his lower half but I think he's set to have a big year uh, this year Carson Strong from Nevada is another name that's getting some early buzz right now uh, that a lot of people don't really know about Um, I'm not Super deep into him as far as some games right now. I've only watched one of him so far, so I can't really give a good opinion about him. But Slovis, um, he does have some arm limitations associated with him. Uh, I think that's the biggest area of concern with him right now. Um, So I think he's going to have to have a big year next year to be considered in the early round consideration. But he's always going to get that bump up just because, you know, a very smart individual, very accurate as well. But as far as throwing the ball down the field, that's always going to be a big challenge for him. He doesn't have a super strong arm. So uh, I'm excited to see if he can take that next step in his development. Jordan, uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? And then if you want to plug any podcasts or articles or anything like that. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. You can find my podcast on every single podcast platform, however you want to consume it. And that's the Reed Option Podcast. That's R-E-I-D. Then also you can find my work on the draftnetwork.com. We just put out um, an announcement about some of the live covers that we're going to have. So be sure to check that out. Awesome, man. Good stuff. And thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast again. That was Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. Some good stuff. Um, talk about the NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears, as we are now under single or under ten days until the 2021 NFL Draft. It should be an exciting one. Uh, before we wrap things up, though, we, we need to talk about a couple of moves that the Chicago Bears did make over the past week. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Last Friday, they they brought in another wide receiver. It's been a position that's been you know a hot storyline here in the offseason with Allen Robinson's. Franchise tag, uh, the, the trade rumors for Anthony Miller, and maybe you know the Bears will take a wide receiver, but they've added Marquise Goodwin, the former San Francisco 49er, the former Buffalo Bill, and flat out, I mean, he's a burner. He's got you know Olympic level speed. He's really damn fast. Um, over the course of his career, you know, he's caught 140 passes for 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's had a long of 84. He had another long of 83 in his career. The production has kind of dipped over the years, but that's just because he has not been able to stay healthy. And he's a guy that, you know, could add another speed dynamic to your offense. I don't really see him returning kicks and and punts. He's only done it, it looks like, twice in his career, three times in his career, actually. Most recently, 2015, where he had two kick returns. Before that, you know, he's only had a a total of 22 kick returns, zero punt returns. So I still think the Bears are going to have to find a way to, you know, get maybe a punt returner, kick returner with uh, Cordell Patterson now going to Atlanta. 
But Goodwin, I mean, it, he's a guy that if he's healthy, he can provide some speed to your offense. Where do you kind of see him fitting into uh, what Matt Nagy wants to do with his offense, Aaron? Well, I think there's a there's a clear need for speed right now. Um, and obviously with Anthony Miller likely out the door at some point, I would guess over the next probably 14 days, um, you know, You've got really a situation right now with the with the quarterback or with quarterback sorry with the receivers where you have Allen Robinson who's under contract for this year and this year only, and really outside of that, especially when you get rid of Anthony Miller, all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where you know you you basically have Darnell Mooney on the on the depth chart next year and that's it. So you know and, and looking at this year, obviously with Anthony Miller likely gone. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at a situation where, you know, you're going to need a number three receiver. I think, you know, safely, I know Taylor Gabriel on Twitter didn't seem to agree, but I mean, safely, I think you can assume that, you know, Allen Robinson is going to be the number one, Darnell Mooney is going to be the number two. And then obviously you're kind of looking for that slot guy, that speed guy, you know, the other speed guy, whatever it may be. And that's where, uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin comes in at least for the time being, because again, I think receiver is still a big need, especially for the future, whether or not, and that's kind of the thing. That's the, the bears are going to have plenty of options. I mean, we, we, you know, we kind of talked about that with Jordan Reed and in terms of, you know, the, there's just a lot of different options at receiver right now. You can go with somebody like Rashad Bateman in the first round, who has been getting a lot of comps to somebody like Allen Robinson, or you can go with somebody like Kadarius, Tony, Rondell Moore, um, you know, different guys like that that are more slot speed options. So there's a lot of different flavors within the draft and a very deep wide receiver class where, you know, again, looking towards a future and even looking towards this year, I think you've, in order to improve the offense, I mean, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to add more. And really the Bears outside of Goodwin and a, a few depth signings on the offensive line, I mean, they haven't done anything of note outside of Andy Dalton. So, you know, it, again, it makes sense, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a buffer. Obviously, they got to figure out the special team stuff um, as well. But, I mean, they clearly don't have much confidence in Wims or especially Ridley at this point. So, I mean, you need you need depth. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You need depth, and, and this was this was a move that made a ton of sense. And, you know, in a worst-case scenario, um, you know, you got a guy that's kind of a burner that you can use in, you know, different packages and whatever else. But I think as of right now, as, you know, if the season was to start today, I think he's, you're absolutely, he's your number three receiver. And I mean, I would assume it's going to be for probably right around veteran minimum, maybe a little bit more, but I mean, you really can't beat that for that type of value. Yeah, I mean, he just got to stay healthy. That's been the, the knock on him for most of his career now. When he is healthy, he's shown he can be a solid wide receiver with a lot of speed. And I tend to agree with you. I, I think Anthony Miller is going to be gone. And right now, you cannot trust Javon Wims and Riley Ridley to, you know, be consistent threats in your offense. And who knows, you know, one of them might not survive training camp or, or even after the draft. I, I do think the Bears are going to take a wide receiver. I, I agree. I think it's a bigger need than, you know, some believe right now and I, I I would not rule it out at all at 20. I mean if Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, um Rondell Moore is sitting there, which likely one of them will be, Ryan Pace could go with his, you know, best player available strategy and take one of those guys. They could also address it in the second or third round. There's plenty of options. Could go the route, the route that they did last year and look at the fifth round or sixth round, um, where they found, you know, Darnell Mooney at a two lane in the fifth round last year. Let's talk about another signing because there was kind of a hole in the Bears' defense. They they did bring back Deion Bush at strong safety. Um, but, you know, I was kind of waiting for this move. I thought it would happen a little earlier. Maybe Tashawn Gibson, you know, tested out the market, didn't really get what he wanted, uh, maybe didn't really get the interest he wanted either. It was kind of a weird safety market. But, you know, he's back on a one-year deal with the Bears per reports. Um, you know, it'll be the first time since, what, 2017, 2018, the Bears will actually have their starting safety duo back for another season as they've gone through, you know, Adrian Amos in 2018, Clinton Dix in 2019. And, you know, this isn't a splash move. I don't, you know, you you can't say, oh, Tashawn Gibson's back, Bears are going to Super Bowl defense is going to be great. And that's no disrespect to him. Um, However, it's a cheap option and it fills a need for the Bears and they can look at a veteran like Gibson who's played in the system. Um, He's played under Sean Desai already. He's played alongside Eddie Jackson. And to me, you know, at times for most of the year, he was the better safety out there when with him and Jackson. So it gives you a little stability. And again, it's a cheap option for them. 
Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, you, 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 the goal going into the draft is always you want to draft best player available. Obviously, there's always going to be needs, but you want to have a wide range of options where you're not just locking down on the one, you know, one position. And that's pretty much what the Bears have done. And, you know, again, looking at the secondary, I mean, you, you got a situation where Kyle Fuller and Buster Screen are gone. So before this Gibson signing, I mean, you were looking at having three of your starting five uh, secondary members, including the nickel position, where you're going to have new starters. So you bring back Gibson, and you kind of piece things together. Gibson isn't anything great. He's nothing flashy. I mean, let's be honest, neither safety were great last year. But at the same time, you know, this is a move that I think makes a ton of sense. And it also doesn't preclude them from going in and making a move in the draft. You know, assuming this, let's just be honest, this isn't a very good safety class anyway. But again, it kind of opens things up for you to where you can kind of, you know, move around, do what you need to do. You're not locked onto one position. But I think it brings some stability to the secondary that really for the first time in quite a while has seen a decent shakeup where you're losing your number one corner and what has been, you know, maybe not the greatest option in the world at nickel, but has been a quality uh, reliable option. And the nickel for the most part is now gone and Buster screen with all those concussions. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've, you've got to go into the draft saying, okay, you know, if you come out of the draft with a corner that can at least compete with a guy like Desmond Trufant and, you know, I guess maybe uh, Kendall Vildor or whatever, and then, you know, you've got some competition at the the nickel spot or whatever it may be, I think you're in, you're in pretty good shape. And again, I mean, the, the corner market right now with free agency is still pretty decently solid. I mean, there's still Richard Sherman out there. There's still Steven Nelson out there. There's still Casey Hayward out there. So, Again, kind of going back to the draft, I, I maybe I'm one of the ones in, in a very small boat right now that doesn't feel like the Bears need to force a pick um, of corner early in the draft. But again, this kind of allows them some comfort uh, with bringing Gibson back to where they can say, okay, you know, the secondary needs some work. We need to add another piece or two, but we're we're more comfortable than we were, you know, a few days ago before Gibson got re-signed. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it still adds some stability. The, the safety markets, you know, three safeties got paid pretty big money. Um, and, and we don't know. We don't know if Deshaun Gibson went out and tested the market and couldn't really get a lot more. I'm guessing that was the case. But nonetheless, he is back. And, you know, safety could be a position, the depth they could look at with one of their six-round picks. Um, we'll see come next week. But, uh, Aaron, that should wrap things up. Where can everyone uh, follow you on Twitter and read your work at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can follow the Bear Report at Bear Report on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can read my work on thebearreport.com. Thanks again for, to Jordan Reed for joining us, uh, talk about the draft. And next week we'll be back with another guest that um, covers the draft and a little bit of the Chicago Bears. We'll talk to him about the draft and get you set with our preview as uh, we'll be right there within, you know, three days until the draft actually starts. So until next week, everyone, please stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.